the end zone, has a man open, touchdown, Justin Blackman. everybody to an unexpectedly big episode of Locked On Pokes. I was not expecting to have such a big show on such a random Wednesday, but Mike Gundy lit the college football world on fire yesterday, so we'll talk about that today. We'll also be joined by Dion Imada. I want to get kind of his thoughts. Uh, my plan today was, you know, we're kind of going to get into the all-time great Oklahoma State teams, and one of those teams is the 2011 team that Dion was on, so I wanted to get into some of that with him. We'll see if we have time whenever we're done talking uh, about what Mike Gundy had to say yesterday, but First, I want to remind everyone to follow me on Twitter at Colby J. Powell at Locked on Pokes. Also, go check out our partners at Boone Pickens State. Boone Pickens State, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram on Twitter. It's at BP underscore state. And head over to LockedOnPodcast.com where you can check out everything the Locked On Podcast Network has to offer, including all of the NFL channels, as we are now a mere 15 days away from the start of a highly anticipated NFL draft, what I think will likely be the highest rated NFL draft of all time because guess what we don't have sports and we're craving it we're craving something real something that matters in the world of football in the world of sports and the nfl draft is happening in 15 days so head over to lockdownpodcast.com you can check out check out your individual teams podcast or uh you can listen to locked on draft dudes locked on nfl draft all that good stuff at lockdownpodcast.com all right let's talk about what the head football coach at oklahoma state had to say yesterday so mike gundy had a teleconference and he got down the COVID-19 rabbit hole, which, you, you know, you're, you're taking a risk whenever you talk about that for a couple of reasons. One, right now, everyone is bored. Like I just said about the NFL draft and everyone wanting it to be here. Everyone is bored. So everyone is just like waiting for content. I, I mean, ESPN, all, all of the Oklahoma State sites, all of the college sites, everyone, USA Today, Yahoo, all just waiting for content, something they can jump on. And unfortunately, Mike Gundy was the one who gave it to him. Mike Gundy said yesterday, in my opinion, if you have to bring our players back, test them, they're in good shape. They're all 18, 19, 20, 21, 22 years old and healthy. A lot of them can fight it off with their natural body, their antibodies and build up. They have those that are asymptomatic. If that's true, then we sequester them and people say that that's crazy. No, it's not crazy because we need to continue to budget and run money through the state of Oklahoma. Uh, he then went on and talked about, you know, treating it kind of like the flu. People get the flu during the season. We quarantine them, treat them, make sure they're healthy, bring them back, be the same thing here. But at some point we've got to go back to work. We've got to get back to, uh, we've got to get those guys back in here. I, I totally understand where Mike Gundy is coming from. Mike Gundy wants football back. Football is Mike Gundy's life. It's it's not only the way he makes a living, it's what he does with all of his time. It's, it's his life. It consumes his life. And he misses football just like we miss football. Uh, I think the big mistake Mike Gundy made, I don't think he chose his words very carefully. And, and I think that everything that he said, because he just was talking off the cuff, I think it came off a little reckless. I don't think that's how he intended. I don't think there was ill intent behind his comments. I think what he was saying was, come on, let's, let's, at some point we're, we're going to play football, right? But the way he said it, the fact that a, he brought up the money, he, sh- he shouldn't use the word money. Let, let's be honest. He shouldn't use the word money. If he wouldn't use the word money, I think a lot less people's feelings would be hurt. There would be a lot less people ripping on him because pe- people get sensitive and people get upset when a college football coach who makes $5 million starts talking about running money through the state of Oklahoma and, and he's talking about doing that by bringing his players back. 
His players don't make money. His players get an education. That's great. But his players don't make money. He makes $5 million. So people get upset whenever you bring up the money. So I think that was a poor choice of words. And I think that, again, people are bored and they're looking for something to talk about. And Mike Gundy gave it to them. Now, has the reaction been a little over the top? Probably. And again, that's partially because people are bored. People are looking for something to talk about. ESPN, Yahoo, like this sentence that I read on Yahoo. I pulled up. I don't even know who wrote this. Uh, this was Pete Thamel's piece on um, on Yahoo yesterday. The, the title of it says, Mike Gundy's tone-deaf coronavirus rant shows why he's never leaving Oklahoma State. And in it, there's this beauty of a sentence where he says, Gundy again showed why his antics will forever be shackled to Stillwater, the backwater never-never land where he can live and speak com- consequence-free. Every, I mean, everybody's come after Mike Gundy in the last few years. Mike Gundy's in Stillwater by choice at this point. He, he's been heavily sought after by bigger programs. Tennessee's tried to come get him a number of times. I mean, that's a, that's a school who puts 100000 in every Saturday. That's a school who spends big, big money in recruiting, spends four times in recruiting what Oklahoma State does. That's a big college football program. A lot of tradition. They've come and tried to get Mike Gundy several times. He's been rumored for a lot of big jobs. He was rumored for the Florida job a few years ago. Mike Gundy's in Stillwater by choice. So, so I think whenever you write a sentence like Gundy again showed why his annex will forever be shackled to Stillwater, the backwater never, never land where he can live and speak consequence free. Okay, now you're bored because there aren't any sports and, and you found a coach you can rip on and you're having your fun. That, that, that's where we're at at that point. So I, I do think that there is, is a middle ground here. I, I don't think that you have to, you know, praise Mike Gundy and, and say that he's like th- this great martyr for coming out and saying these things and trying to get football back because Mike Gundy's not a doctor and, and the doctors and the health experts, they're going to be the ones that make these decisions. But I also think to, to say that Mike Gundy's stuck in his backwater never, never land forever is an exaggeration. I, I don't think that, you know, Oklahoma State should fire Mike Gundy today and Mike Gundy should be out the door. I, I do think that there's um, a, a lot of overreaction to Mike Gundy's comments. And, and then I think there's a lot of overreaction to the overreaction. You know, people saying that that media sources should be shut down or people shouldn't be writing him. You know, it's... Everybody is bored right now. So everyone is making a way bigger deal out of both Mike Gundy's comments and about the stories being written about Mike Gundy's comments. Can we all just relax a little bit? Can we just relax a little bit? A head football coach at a university was saying that he wants to coach football. He, he chose his words poorly. I, I, I will acknowledge that he chose his words poorly. He shouldn't have brought up the money, probably shouldn't have compared it to the flu. He, he probably just should have said, you know, I really want to get back going. I miss football. I miss having my guys here. I want my guys in the building. I want to do whatever we can to keep them safe and, and to get this thing rolling. That, that's what he should have said. That's probably what he meant. But when he started talking about the money and comparing it to the flu and all these other things, then it, it got twisted and then we get headlines and and the headlines don't have an hour's worth of comments in them they don't the headlines never do you know what the headlines have the headlines have we need to run money through the state of oklahoma we've got to get these 18 19 20 21 22 year olds back in here that's what the headlines say and that's what people see and that's what people read and i I think in this time where people are so so hungry for content 
and, and where content providers are so, so hungry to have content to provide, I think Mike Gundy, other coaches, all sports figures need to be careful about what they say about COVID-19 because it does have the capability to, whether you mean it or not, all you're doing is pouring just a little bit of gasoline and then the whole thing is exploding. That's what happened yesterday. Mike Gundy, Mike Gundy didn't intentionally start a fire. He wasn't trying to set off a nuclear bomb. Mike Gundy was just talking about getting his guys back in. But because of the way he phrased it, 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 it turned into a, a major explosion across not only the college football world, but the, the entire sports world. Because again, people are bored. People are looking for something to talk about. People are looking for somebody to rip on. And Mike Gundy gave them that yesterday through his poor choice of words. But this, like everything else, it'll pass. It'll blow over. It's not the end of the world. If you think it's the end of the world, calm down. Calm down. It's going to be fine. It is April. What is today? April 8th. It's April 8th. There's no sports going on. There's nothing else going on. So this is the one thing everyone's talking about. Everyone's consumed by it, eaten up by it. The earth's going to keep spinning. Mike Gundy's still going to be the head football coach at Oklahoma State. The players are going to come back whenever the medical experts say that it's okay for the players to come back. So just calm down. Mike Gundy doesn't need to lose his job. None of the journalists writing about this stuff need to lose their job. Just calm down, settle in. It's going to be okay. Thanks for joining me today on Locked On Pokes. That's all. That's my whole rant. That's my whole rant right there. I'm done. Dion Amade is going to join me next. I'll get his quick thoughts on it, and then we're going to talk football. I don't want to talk about it for 25 minutes. I'm going to get Dion's thoughts on it for two minutes, and then we're going to talk about football. Uh, we're going to move on from it. So fit, hit, hit me up. On Twitter, at LockedOnPokes, at Colby J. Powell. Find our partners, Boone Pick and State, at BP underscore State. And go see our friends at Simply Green Pharmacy in Stillwater. Simply Green Pharmacy will get you taken care of to make sure that you have everything you need during these uncertain times. It's 617 East Redbud Drive in Stillwater. You can also find them online at LiveSGF.com. They're doing everything they can to take care of you, the patient. That's always been their model. That's always been their goal. And they continue to do that through this uh, coronavirus outbreak so go see him at 617 east redbud drive in stillwater tell him locked on pokes sent you all right that is all for now i take a break come back dion amade joins me here on locked on pokes welcome back to locked on pokes i'm joined now by former cowboy dion amade who played for mike gundy during his tenure at oklahoma state Dion, what's going on? It's a uh, much crazier Wednesday than we were anticipating. <laughs> yeah, you know how in, in the media world, Wednesdays are normally pretty slow, and that's where we're trying to find stories to, to talk about and, and try to get around because it's like that, it's that that middle period where there's not a lot of games being played. So, I mean, the NBA season kind of comes along and saves us, but it's, during football season especially, it's like, all right, we've already talked about everything that happened last week. Now we don't really have enough information to go on for this week's game, so it's kind of just slow. But right now, it's uh, hot and heavy over there in uh, still still water. Yeah, especially for us covering Oklahoma State. So, Dion, I just want to get your quick thoughts, and then I want to move on and talk about the team that you played on in 2011. So, so essentially, my take was um, Mike Gundy's not perfect. I don't think he worded what he wanted to to say correctly. Bringing up the money was probably a mistake, but but I also think that it's getting blown way out of proportion because everybody's a little bit bored right now, and everybody heard you know crazy Mike Gundy with the mullet making comments about the coronavirus and just 
looked at it as an opportunity to pounce, just like the, like the Tigers on Tiger King. They were ready to rock and roll, and I think that it's getting a little bit blown up uh, now. So that's kind of my take and what I had on it. I just want to get your quick thoughts on it before we move on. Yeah, I mean, especially in the business that we're in, you're always looking for content and stuff to do, and especially when the situation that we're all in right now where there's no sports being played whatsoever. So everybody's looking for something to talk about and say and, and, and things to, to write about. And right now it seems like it's everybody wants to write about the man with the mullet. And I mean, I've, I've seen the comments and I've read him and I, I kind of, because I have a personal relationship with Cuff Gundy, I, I can see where he's coming from. Uh, and I mean, for the part that I, 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 I agree with what he's saying as far as they do need to have a plan of action. I mean, that's the way coach Gundy has always been. And I kind of, you know, commend him because that's the way he kind of taught us to be as being, you know, you have a plan, you have a set goal and you have uh, a way to accomplishment and you have a schedule. Like we used to have itineraries for when we would go on the road. We had itineraries for home games. We had, they, they showed us what our summer is going to look like. They showed us what our workouts look like. And, I, and because of that, that's the way I've gone on the rest of my life. I have checklists. I have schedules. I have planners, different stuff like that to keep me organized and to keep me going the way I want to go. And so what Gundy was saying, the part that I agree with is, is wholeheartedly is you need to have a plan of action no matter what's going to happen. Although that plan might be altered with whatever goes on with the pandemic and and whatever goes on with the Oklahoma and all the, the, the laws and, and stuff that are being passed, you still need to have a plan of action of what you want to do so that you can find a way to come out of this situation the best possible way. Yeah, that's that's very well put. And it's nice for you to kind of give your your insight that you have having dealt with Mike Gundy and, and, and the fact that he always wants a plan. And I think that that's what he was trying to get across. And, you know, he was just ripping off the cuff. And, you know, here we are now. Here we are now on this Wednesday. So uh, let's just wrap up this segment, short segment. Got that out of the way. My plan this week on Locked on Pokes, the whole week was to talk about great Oklahoma State teams, all-time great Oklahoma State teams. Of course, then Eddie Sutton gets in the Hall of Fame, so I spend all Monday talking about Eddie Sutton. And now today we end up spending 15 <laughs> minutes talking about Mike Gundy's comments. But when we come back, Deion Amade was on the 2011 team at Oklahoma State, arguably the greatest team ever at Oklahoma State. So I want to just ask Deion some questions, get some insights about what it was like to be on that team. So that's coming up next. Stay with us here on Locked On Pokes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, everybody. Wrapping things up here on Locked on Pokes. Deion Amade, former Cowboy, joining me. Wanting to talk about all-time great teams at Oklahoma State. That was my plan for this week before everything kind of blew up. Speaking of all-time greats, you need to go see our friends at Simply Green Pharmacy in Stillwater. Simply Green Pharmacy is doing everything they can to make sure that you are taken care of during these uncertain times. Go check them out at 617 East Redbud Drive in Stillwater. You can also find them online at livesgf.com. The folks at Simply Green Pharmacy will get you taken care of. So go see them. Tell them Locked on Pokes 
sent you. All right, Dion, you were on that 2011 team, that, that magical 2011 team that, in my opinion, should have had a chance to play for the national title. Um, obviously, things went very, very wrong in Ames. And I know we talked about a few weeks ago you weren't actually in Ames because you had torn your ACL uh, the, the week before. But I want to know, what was it like being on, on that team? What was the mood? Did you all feel like on a week-in, week-out basis, did, did you think that, uh, okay, we, we might actually be the best team in the country here? Man, it, it seems like, it, and I feel like a lot of people say this, but it was like a a, a buildup that you you didn't anticipate. Because you got to remember, that's I was my sophomore year, and, and that's like my second year playing Division One football. And we, I came from a team in high school, Rollett High School, where we were just fighting to get into Texas Five A state playoffs like we weren't like state championships didn't really come that often in, in our area and so we were just fighting to get into the playoffs and now I'm on this stage where I remember going to a party my uh the summer of my freshman year and we're all on campus I believe it was like July it was like getting close to two a days and I remember uh, Justin Fields, one of our uh, walk-ons who was really good friends with Blackman, and everybody was at this party, and everybody was walking in, and we were talking about the upcoming season, and, and all of, I, I, heard, I hear him, Big 12, what? It's national championship or bust, man. I mean, we're, going for the, we're going for the natty, and everybody was like, yeah, 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 and I'm hearing all these other guys. And I seriously went home that night, like 2.30 in the morning, and was like, Am I really seriously on on a team that can win a national championship? And surely and shortly did I realize that was a real, real, real possibility, especially with black men and Whedon and uh, just a number of guys coming back. I mean, the defense was stacked with Jamie Blacknick and Rashetti and Markel Martin and DeBrodrick Brown and. And, and just and the, the young guys that got so much playing time the year before because I mean you got to remember we played a lot of freshmen in that 2010 season and then to think how well we did in 2010 and the way we finished off by beating Arizona like handedly in the in the uh, what's the, what's that bowl game in San Antonio that I'm blanking on the Alamo Bowl. Uh, in the Alamo Bowl and knowing that they were our first opponents the next season and how we were taking a quarterback who uh, Nick Foles. I was going to say, that was the next right? <laughs> yeah, who is now famously known for taking the Eagles to the Super Bowl and how we dominated him in that game. And then to start off the season, how we dominated him once again, we were like, hey, man, this could be a really special team. And it just it just kept the momentum, just kept going with the notoriety that Whedon was getting, Blackman was getting, that our defense was we're, – we're on the trend, on the trend to, to beat Miami, the Miami Hurricanes turnover uh, record. Like, it, everything just started moving forward, and we were just like, man, I think we could get this done. Now, we, I, nobody ever spoke of it, never, never said it out loud as far as – that being a goal, but everybody knew that what the steps were. We win the Big 12 and then uh, go to the national championship. So yep. unfortunately, it didn't happen that way. We did reach one of the goals, but the other one didn't, you know, come into fruition because of the whole slip up, which was a, a just a, definitely a hard a hard night for our university and Stillwater and all of, uh, 
OSU alumni altogether. But, but yeah, man, I, I, when I realized that I had a possibility of being a part of a national championship team, that was a little overwhelming, surprising, and just like something that I kind of prepared myself for before the season even started just because of that one party and that one statement at that party. Yeah, it's interesting you brought up the turnovers on the defense, and I remember just it felt like, I don't know, a snowball gets rolling down a hill. Next thing you know, it's it's an avalanche, and I felt like the defense just had this mentality, and, and because somebody like me, like my philosophy about turnovers is that they're fairly random. You, you know, you, you can't always control when a guy's going to be holding the ball loosely. You, you can't always control uh, when a ball gets tipped up in the air, where it comes down, whose arms it comes down in. But but it seemed like something that's so random in 2011, it seemed like all those bounces went to the defense and all those tips landed in the arms of somebody. And Broderick Brown jumped out of bounds and threw the ball back into Sean Lewis. And and it just seemed like the snowball that turned into an avalanche with the turnovers was was there anything different that y'all did that year than any other year of your career at Oklahoma State? Or or did it just seem like this mentality that every ball that's up for grabs, we're gonna come down with it? Actually, man, I feel like because it started in 2010. Because you got to remember that play that happened with Roger Brown and Sean was Lewis was the be- 2010 Bedlam season. Yeah. And that year, I remember it was my freshman year, and they, they were giving out t shirts. Like, and this wasn't just like cotton t shirts that you get at football camps when you go out. No, these were like dry fit t-shirts. And that's exactly when I knew I made it because the shirts that they give OSU football players, just on a regular, just this dry fit material. We were just like, Oh goodness, man, this is, this is special. And so when you got a turnover, when you created a turnover, then you would get a ball hawk t-shirt. And I remember us getting in a little bit of trouble for that. I don't know, might have been some kind of, but Gundy said, y'all got to stop doing that, giving out t-shirts for turnovers. So then after that took place, we were, I was Of course, like, t-shirts dang, for no turnovers t-shirts. would be a problem. Of course. Yeah. What? No more t-shirts from, but that even more turnovers continue to happen after that. So I think it's just the culture that they had built. And then once you see it's like with raising kids or, you know, having a dog, I know you got like three of them, probably like five by the time this quarantine is all over. <laughs> uh, once you reward, reward good behavior. And once you see that behavior being rewarded, it's something that's infectious and that continues to keep on going where we're seeing not only are we being praised by our coaches and our teammates and everybody on TV and the national paper, but our offense is also rewarding us with those by getting those term uh, turnovers, by putting more points on the board and allowing us to, you know, have a little bit of an easier fourth quarter. Yeah, and I'm curious, too, you, you mentioned Blackman and Whedon and all the success that those guys were having. Blackman ends up winning the Blitnikoff, being a top-five pick in the draft. Whedon probably wins the Heisman, if not for what took place in Ames. And those guys were getting so much national love, and, and I'm sure the coaches tell you, you know, don't pay attention to all that stuff. But but you guys saw that stuff. You see it. You hear it. You, you hear people talking about it on campus. So w- what was it like watching those guys who you all knew, like, okay, these are guys that are going to be drafted in the first round of the NFL draft. They've got a chance to chances to win some of the most prestigious awards in college football. What was it like for, for everybody else on the team watching those kind of superstars go on their journey in their final season in Stillwater? Man, people would be so surprised how oblivious 
Division One football players are to all the hype that's surrounding them and all the you know big things. I remember going back again to the 2010 season after like the first four or three games, and somebody mentioned to me that Justin Blackman was the number one receiver according to stats in the nation, and I was like, wait, 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 what? That guy over there is the number one, and I know he's like scoring a lot of points for our team and everything, but that's no nothing different. I mean, especially, you know, you grew up all your whole life and you know the big dogs that are putting up numbers for your team and, and, and in high school and in college. Like you know that, but, like, you don't really have the time in uh, high school or in college to sit down and just, like, look at all the stats and look at all the big guys. All you focus on is what's on your game plan, who you're facing that upcoming week, and then all of a sudden you turn on the news and you're like, oh, the number one in receiving yards, the one number one passing offense, and you're just like, wait, what? We are? So, I mean, all of that stuff is is, is cool, and but it's just something you just don't realize until you get outside world when we're walking around hotels and people want his autograph and he's he's ducking you know out out of places just because people are bothering him all the time you don't really notice that you just think he's one of the guys until you start seeing these end of season awards and all this stuff going on like you'd be surprised how much we don't really understand or pay attention to all that stuff because if it doesn't involve you then you're going about your business, and they they don't they they do a good job of not bringing it to the to the forefront of the team because they want everybody else to handle their business. And it's it's very impressive how that stuff goes on, and we are, are we just we just don't know about it. Yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. That's interesting that you put it that way. So so another question I have about that 2011 season. I don't know if you know this or not. But a lot of us stayed up until the wee hours of the morning to watch you all dispose of the Tulsa Golden Hurricane in the non-conference. That was the weirdest game. I, I remember, I don't know why, I, I wasn't in Stillwater that weekend. I, I was at my parents' house in Chickasha, and I remember being in the living room, sitting in the recliner until like 4 o'clock in the morning watching this college football game, and I thought it was just the weirdest thing that they had you all out there at 4 o'clock in the morning playing football. I don't know exactly what time the game wrapped up, but how weird was that as a player, that it, it was, I mean, you're playing football in the middle of the night. Bro, you have no idea, like, the crazy stories. Like, there, I, people have written about this and talked about it. But, I mean, I've even, you know, written a little piece about it. Somebody from, the, I want to say, the, the Tulsa World asked me to write something on it. And, and I've always said this one thing. One, wow, playing that late at night was the craziest, one of the craziest experiences of my college you know, life and to thank you, Lord, for that Craig's mom being able to go to the local Walmart in Tulsa <laughs> and, and buying peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and making and the training staff making them for the whole team while we sat in that locker room for God knows how long. Five hours, we four hours, still, I think. Um, we're just chilling in there eating PB&J sandwiches and just talking with each other. I remember we were watching – the I want to say the Oklahoma Florida State game on our cell phones, and it was like close to the end of that one. And then Coach Gundy's like, "All right, guys, we're gonna go up here and and get ready to play." And I'm just like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> and I remember running onto that field and just thinking, "What the hell are we doing right now?" And I mean, did you think you were to, gonna play you know, as you were in the delay? Did you think you were gonna play? 
Bro, I had taken off, like, everybody had, like, taken off and started to take off their shoulder pads and stuff like that just to, like, because it was hot in that locker room. And I was like, if I take these shoulder pads off, because you know how tight those jerseys are. I was like, if we, if I take these shoulder pads off, they're not coming back on. I'm not be squeezing my head to this jersey another time. Like, I already do it once a week. I'm not doing it twice. And by the time it was, like, the third hour, I was like, man, get these shoulder pads off me. We are not playing this game. And just hearing Coach Gundy blow that whistle, whoo all right, guys, time to go. And uh, you know what? And, you know, not to not to bring light to anything, but that's why you kind of understand why coaches and Division One players know the economics effects of these games. Because let's be honest, that was a big-time, you know, game for Tulsa and Oklahoma State with it being in-state and the economic benefits from playing that game. And that's the reason why I just think that that had a little bit to do with why the, they had us play that game, uh, you know, late into the wee hours of Sunday morning. But, I mean, also it, it did have to do with a little bit of helping our record, knowing that Gundy had a team that was, you know, quite possibly had a chance to go on to that national championship and the Big 12 championship. That one win does add a little benefit to your record. Yeah, 11 and 0 looks different than 12 and 0. So, all right, we are up against it. We have time for one more question. I want a one word answer. I don't want two words. I want one word. I want you to say either yes or no. Did your Oklahoma State team in 2011 get screwed by the BCS? Yes. Yes, that is it. Dion has settled it. Thank you, Dion, for joining us once again. You were great. We'll do it again next week. And and we would have definitely beat. LSU. Yes, would have worked definitely LSU. Beat, definitely have beat Alabama. The SEC had no chance against a Big 12 offense, no matter if they had the Honey Badger or Patrick Peterson on that side. They weren't ready for it. Yeah, they would have gotten roasted by Whedon and Blackman. And whoever, <laughs> whoever was the quarterback at that time, Oklahoma State would have turned him over four times. I don't even remember his name. I remember he wasn't very good. <laughs> Oklahoma State would have turned him over a bunch. All right, we're out of time. Dion, we'll do it again next week. Thanks, man. Thanks, man. All right, that's Dion Amade joining us here as he does every week on Locked on Poke. Some great stories from that 2011 season. Hope everybody enjoyed it. As I said earlier about the Mike Gundy fiasco, the world is not ending. Everything's going to be fine. Take a deep breath. Relax. Enjoy your quarantine. Thanks for joining me once again back Friday with more Locked on Pokes.